0: I'm Rachel Montalini and welcome to Kittypedia the podcast. I'm not an expert however I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well making mistakes as a new parent is normal. Every parent has done it and no one is an exception. Of course, parenting a newborn has a lot of levels of complexity that requires skill and knowledge. The more knowledge we have, the greater we are equipped to make better parenting decisions. So to help share her skills, knowledge, expert information and advice, we welcome our special guest, Alsha Young. Now, Alsha is one of Australia's leading family therapists, a mum and co-owner and founder of the Peninsula Nest, a brand new hub and wellness centre for mums on the Mornington Peninsula thank you for joining us how are you
1: thank you for having me Rachel I'm good thank you how are you
0: yeah very well very well here in Melbourne we're both here at the moment in stage four and just getting through it as we were just chatting yes (laughs) Um, that's all right And uh, overall, I guess, um, as we were just mentioning before, two parents is a huge adjustment, which does require a great amount of skill. Um, And it's only normal that parents want to be, you know, the best parent that they can be. However, this can lead to a lot of parents putting you know, pressures on themselves, which can lead to undue stress. So I'd just love to know initially, what's your thoughts on this situation?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Rachel, I think that's um, that's a really important um, thing that, you know, obviously becoming new parents it's its a wonderful time mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really special time but it also can bring with it huge amounts of expectation and pressure that we can put on ourselves and I think as we we're saying living in Melbourne at the moment as well I think now more than ever I think parents are really feeling feeling that stress so um, I guess you know it'd be great today to talk about you know the things that we can do to give ourselves permission to um just to be the best that we can in our in our roles as parents. And actually babies don't need a great deal. They they need us. They don't need all the toys and and you know all these things that the messages we sometimes get from society. It's actually they need wow. us in relationship.
0: Yeah. 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 Now before we get stuck into that, I just wanted to speak a little bit more about your wider experience, which I think is really fascinating. Um, so you've had more than a decade of experience in the industry and Um, it's been said that your personal aim is to advocate and help children and families heal from trauma and to empower themselves to make positive changes in their lives. Of course, hindsight is a very powerful thing in looking back and taking experience um, throughout your career. Um, What advice can you give to any newborn parent to help them just generally make positive changes into their lives?
1: Yeah, look, I think what I've learned in this work is that, again, it's, you know, what we offer in relationship with our children is the most important thing we can we can offer. So helping to give our children the messages um, that the world is a safe place, um, that they can fall back on us, that we are there for them no matter what. So the the things around children having messages of consistency and structure and routine, all of these things can really help with those yes. with those messages. Um, but really, it's about us. Um, being in it with them and what we can model around that, that we're there for them no matter what and that we're available emotionally for our children. And that really enhances that sense of safety and helps to form their sense of identity and belonging and all those things that we need to become, you know, integrated um, and well-adjusted human beings in society.
0: Yeah. Yes, great advice. And just speaking a little bit more about your wider experience, your background includes youth homelessness crisis work, senior um, child protection work, family therapy for adolescents who use violence towards their parents and carers and siblings and various other um, child Uh, Trauma and Family Violence um, Workshops for Professionals. And this is truly admirable work um, that you've worked with parents and children who are experiencing high vulnerability. Now, I'd love to know, you know, in your experience, have you found that families in particular with children aged in that 0-3 um, sort of demographic, um, in these specific communities where vulnerability is related to their background or socioeconomic status, do you find that they show greater success in advancing their children's development when they receive support from intensive parenting programs and experts such as yourselves? As yourself, of course. Most,
1: most definitely, Rachel. I think there's so much impo- there's so much research to support the importance of early intervention services. Um, and working in the group work capacity, that i work working with early um, with infants and and early childhood, as well as um, I do some work for an early intervention service as well. And I think. Um, it's been apparent for me in, in, in that work over the years of seeing the importance. That's when um, those little brains are, are open to building all those neural pathways. And um, mm-hmm. you know it's why we talk about the importance of zero to three. And I, I do want to also preface that by saying, because I know parents sort of put pressure on themselves around that too. And it's, it's okay. It doesn't mean we have to do everything perfectly either, but it is a really important time um, to help children to, to build that sense of identity and things and build those, the the resourcefulness as we, you know, around their um, ability to self-regulate and, and their ability to learn and all of those things that go with it. So yes, I think, The opportunity to do early intervention work is so important. Um, It's not to say that later down the track doing adolescent work and things isn't successful, but I think um, wherever possible, early intervention work is is, is incredibly important for the child and the family system as well.
0: Wonderful. Now, um, getting back to I guess why we're here today, Um, we published your article and the title is Top Tips for New Parents. Now for someone who hasn't read the article yet, can you please tell us what it's about and just tell us what inspired you to write it?
1: Sure. Well, the article is really about, I guess, you know, the key things that I guess as a professional but also as a mother myself, mm-hmm. um, the things, as we said before, hindsight is a, is a wonderful thing. So the <laughs> things that I've learnt myself, um, both professionally and personally, I guess, from, you know, becoming a parent. And I think, as we said earlier, there's, there's so many messages out there and that can land as a lot of pressure. So I think I wanted to hone in on what I felt were the key aspects of that and the things that, um, and to give any tips that, you know, that I found helpful myself and what, you know, the families that I've worked with over the years have, have reflected back that have been helpful for them as well.
0: Oh, wonderful. Now I would love to know how can, um, we're speaking about the pressures of being the perfect Mm -hmm. parent. So from your perspective, you know, how can the pressure to be a perfect parent take away from being present and connecting with your baby?
1: Well, just that in itself, Rachel, I think um, Mm -hmm. what our babies need is for us to be able to, because they're born without being able to regulate themselves, they're not able to communicate, obviously, what their needs are. They're completely reliant on us. So it's really important that what we are showing them is modelling that they are validated, that we, we, we see and hear them and can respond to all of their needs. So it's actually, you know, I think sometimes... For parents, there's this, you know, they can be so in their head around trying to do the right thing that it can take away, as you say, that presence of just being in the moment. So just really simple things like where possible putting devices aside and just being able to sit down on the floor and play, make eye contact, using prosody of voice, like that tone of voice. Um, All of those things give our babies the message that, you know, that we are in it with them, that we we understand what they're communicating to us, because even though they don't have the verbal language at that age, they're actually pretty good little communicators. They're very attuned to us. So <laughs> being really mindful about what we are, you know, how we are um, behaving um, is just something that you know we actually don't need all those other things. Just being present can be everything that your baby actually needs
0: Mm -hmm. and speaking about you know sort of being in your head a lot you know you mentioned um to plan to not not have a plan and for a parent just to let go of any high expectations that they may have especially when it comes to the birth and just Mm -hmm. generally um like with becoming a parent. So can you maybe just expand a little bit on this for us for a moment?
1: Yeah, sure. Look, and that was reflecting on my own personal experience. You know, I am someone that um, I'm a big planner. I have very high expectations of myself. And, and I remember thinking, you know, going when I was pregnant, thinking how, you know, I'm going to have to reshape how I think about this, because I'm going to be um, it's it's a very vulnerable situation. I'm going to have to trust the, the experts around me. And, you know, it was actually quite a freeing experience to do that and to know that, um, to trust myself, you know, I think. Um, so I, I, I really encourage parents to tap into that intuition because everyone has it, you know, that gut instinct that we all have. Um, and I think obviously when we're putting pressure on ourselves, when we're, you know, giving ourselves messages about what we should and shouldn't do it's very hard to tap into that intuition so the more that we can listen to that i think the more that we can respond in a really attuned way so yeah, I think that was something that I had to consciously be aware of from the from the get-go and it really did serve me well and I think that's why I thought, um, you know, naming my own experience as, you know, as a professional to say I'm human too and these were the things that I knew that I would have to consciously work on.
0: As well.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I believe yeah. that you adopted a mantra that helped you. Can you maybe just tell us a little bit about this and how did it help you?
1: Well, just to say, just letting myself know that it would always be okay. I think just, you know, the mantra was to not have the the plan was to not have a plan. And that, as I said before, was actually just quite freeing because it, it just takes away the expectation and, you know, all of that obviously derives from anxiety of us trying to, the more that we try to have control of things, mm-hmm. we're trying to reduce that, you know, anxiety, of the, the fear of the unknown. Um, so, yeah, I think that was just something that really helped me to let go of some of those unrealistic expectations. And I think for, for new parents, that can be, you know, just another added stress. And if it doesn't go to plan, it's another thing that we can sort of guilt and shame ourselves about. Uh-huh. So, Yeah.
0: Just yeah. make life easier on yourself. Be kind to yourself and just release exactly. yourself of all those challenges, that 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 pressure and just yeah let it flow. Now, yeah. um, speaking about um sort of the gut instincts and intuition that you were speaking about before, um, you know why should parents generally always follow their gut instincts and and how can parents? Um, do you have any other tips that they can help to just learn to trust themselves?
1: Well, I think it's about you know. When we think about the relationship and the bonding and attachment that's so important for babies, every relationship is different. So it's about, I think, reframing it and thinking about mm-hmm. that individual relationship between that parent and child is going to be unique for every situation. Of so course. I think thinking about it like that can also alleviate some of that and know that you are the expert as that parent of that yep. child. So trusting your instinct around that um, Again, it's about listening to that, and and you know your baby will show you those cues as well. So again, that's I think all examples of that that you know attuned parenting um, and reflective parenting, reflecting that back to to your baby.
0: Okay, yeah. great. Now you've spoken a little bit about when the baby arrives, and when when the baby does arrive, it is a really precious time. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. time, albeit busy with friends and family and everybody wanting to, to meet the new arrival. Mm-hmm. Um, and in your opinion, why is it so important for new parents to put boundaries in place? Well, because I think,
1: as you say, Rachel, we we often talk about what a beautiful time it is. Of course it is. It's an incredibly precious, special time, but it also is a bit of a roller coaster and even just hormonally, like what's happening to women's bodies after they've given birth. And, you know, it's it's about, I think, giving permission to talk about some of those things too. So I encourage parents to have these conversations before the birth so that they can both be on the same page around, you know, it's okay to not feel like you have to have everyone visiting or you know, that's absolutely okay. There'll be lots of time for all of that. Um, So giving yourself permission to know that, you know, that will be different for everyone. Some parents want to get out there and be social straight away. Others might need that time. It's, it's a confidence thing too. This is a huge Mm -hmm. life stage transition. There is no right or wrong way. So I think Um, The reason I wanted to mention those, those boundaries will be different for everybody. But I think they're an important thing and encouraging people to talk about it before um, the baby arrives, I think can be helpful so that their parents can already be on the same page around that.
0: And there's a lot of cultures also that have um, that first six to eight to 12 week period where they they don't see anyone really. Exactly. Um, That's right. So every
1: situation knowledge exactly that 's right and I think that' you know again I think it 's as hard when you know sometimes parents will be seeing what other people are doing and you know I think there 's a lot of that can, that can get kind of um, people can put pressure on themselves about it 's okay if that if that 's something that doesn 't feel okay for you you know it 's okay to listen to that and I think important to to honor that and um, go at the pace that feels okay because this is ultimately those those first days, hours, days, weeks, months, you know, are all around building that attachment (laughs) relationship with that primary caregivers. And so that is actually the most important part of that. So um, some mums have often said to me, I just want to go in my own little bubble and be and, you know, with my baby and just be in that space. And that's absolutely okay. And I guess the other part of that is probably important to note that you know, we talk a lot about this instant love that, you know, happens and it's also probably important to note that it's quite normal if that doesn't happen immediately as well. Um, you know, like any sort of love, it can take some time to, to, to build. And again, as we said earlier, this is it's a relationship that you're learning about one another. You're getting to know Mm -hmm. one another. So I think it's just probably important to note that too, that that sometimes that's okay. And if that is feeling difficult, that there are supports out there to talk and reach out around that as well.
0: Yes. So on that, you know, once a baby arrives home and and, um, you are making that adjustment, many mums may experience a baby blues in the yeah. initial few weeks, um, and then after this time, if the sadness continues, this can be the very early signs of postnatal depression also. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. as you just mentioned, in the first six to eight weeks is is a really challenging time in which um, I guess many mothers mm-hmm. can sort of feel isolated as well. Um, and as they say, it does take a community to raise a child. So, you know, flowing on from that, once the... Um, the, the the, the parents, uh, home with the newborn, um, that, you know, why do you think it's so important for mums to stay connected with their friends and family, um, their mother's group, and 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 not to be free to ask loved ones for help during sort of that initial and critical six to eight, to first six to eight weeks at home? Well, it's like you just
1: said, it, it actually takes a community to raise a child, you know, and I think yeah. it's actually really important for, for children to experience having, Um, multiple people in their lives that view them as worthy and lovable and that, you know, and safe and all those things. So I think it's about how we encourage those conversations that it's actually okay to, you know, I think we can put pressure on ourselves that we have to be everything. And that's simply just not actually the case. It's actually important for children to for infants and children to build those other relation, attachment relationships as well. Um, but I also think it's really important to know that you, you know, the chances are there's what you're going through other people have also experienced too. And you don't have to um, if you are having those struggles, there are a lot of supports out there. Um, and it's actually around, you know, I think I put this in the article, that I say to parents a lot of the time, it's important to put your own oxygen mask on before you, you, you help do. someone yes. else. So I think, you know, sometimes as parents, I think we're kind of the last to look after ourselves but it's really important that we are also nurtured and cared for so things like self-care are actually really critical and I often hear parents have a reluctance you know they're doing everything for everyone else in the family but their self-care is the very last thing and I often you know gently challenge that and say actually that should probably be at the top of the list because if you you have to be able to refuel and refill your cup in order to be able to to meet the 100%. needs of others yes. so I think that's we maybe just you know giving that message and saying it's okay it's okay to prioritize connecting with friends and doing the things that make you feel you um I think are actually really important so just be you know I think sometimes that transition of becoming a parent we it's a it's a big identity change too where we're trying to make sense of all of that so um I think I'd encourage parents to continue to do the things that make them feel feel them like themselves and that help them to feel good um, because that's only going to benefit their their babies and their their children
0: yeah. yes yeah babies and children tend to be happier and thrive when their parents are happy and healthy themselves exactly and so prioritizing your own self-care isn't selfish it, it is essential no, definitely um, and you know self-care can be difficult for mothers to make time for themselves, um, making themselves a priority, um, mm-hmm. because the focus, of course, is on on the well being, health yeah. and well being of the baby. So, you know, why do you think so many mums do find that difficult to make themselves a priority? Oh,
1: I think it might be like the they're the, just the the number of messages that come through you know there's such a um overwhelm of things and I think just their own expectations and sometimes you know going into motherhood and parenthood we might have an idea of what that's going to look like and then you know and then if we don't feel that we can meet that need it's um you know we might we might have a response about feeling that we're not good enough or um but I think it's it's a it's a, as we said, it's really important to separate that out and for, for mums and, and dads to have that 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 individual time for their own self-care as well. Um
0: I couldn't agree with you anymore. Yeah. 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 Um and in saying that, um understanding that time with the baby is something that that can give us energy as well and, and understanding that as you mentioned earlier that the only thing the baby really needs is you um yeah. so there's that beautiful quote that reads "The only toy that your baby needs is you um yeah. and and play is a great opportunity um to not only just uh, enjoy the, the i guess the early stages of parenthood and actually everything that comes with it, but it's a great opportunity to teach your baby things like attachment safety, and predictability also um so and babies have i guess um you know like lots of opportunities so I just wanted to know from your perspective how can parents maybe sort of best sort of get the most out of that opportunity with play and to be able to teach the baby these things
1: and I think that's a great question Rachel because I often hear people parents will often say to me I don't know how to play with my baby and I think that's an important thing to acknowledge because not all adults have had the opportunity like it's actually something that can make people feel a bit uncomfortable. They're not sure. So it's, again, being able to listen to that intu- intuition, let it go and just try to embrace that playfulness and be led by the by the baby or child. They will show you. And the more that I think we're prepared to, you know, what? read their cues and, and follow that, um, the more likely we're able to to be building all those things, as you say, around attachment and things. So be having some fun, being playful, you know, things like for, for, with infants, um, you know, we know that babies love, um, movement. So rocking and having it, you know, dancing around the lounge room, singing, that singing is such a powerful one in regards to it's soothing. It's, um, it's very regulating. Um, we know that it helps, you know, in regards to learning and so many things. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, all of those things. But I actually encourage parents to just be playful with it and, you know, just have a go. Um, but just, yeah, I think it is important. It, I, that sounds simple, but in this day and age when we're so busy and, you know, I think it can be really hard. So like we said earlier, things like putting devices aside and getting down on the floor, being at the same level um, as your, you know, baby or child, things like that can all make um, make a difference just trying to be in that present moment with them without other distractions
0: yes yeah. and and speaking about reading cues you know babies have such a, a very small window in mm-hmm. which they are able to focus and engage um, and small bursts are much more effective so yeah. I'd love to know from your perspective do you have any tips for parents how they can best read their baby's cues
1: Yeah. Look, babies, as we said, they're pretty good little communicators. They will let us know. So Mm -hmm. things like their eye contact, if they're starting, if they're starting to avert their gaze um, and look a bit grisly and maybe, you know, maybe rubbing their eyes and things like that, you know, they're, they're usually the first signs that they're starting to get tired and a bit, you know, maybe a bit overstimulated. So as you said, it's really important. We don't have to sit down and play for an hour. That's way too much for a baby. And, I, you know, even things like reading, that's great. But, you know, read your baby's cues for that. You don't have to read a whole book or, you know, things like that. So they will be able to show you and the, it, just being able to read that and respond to their needs with that, Um they will be able to usually show you with those things. They might start to cry or get a bit, you know, but usually they'll turn away um, and just show little signs of frustration with it. So I think that's really important. That's why to be relaxed and present and, you know, just to watch and wonder around um, what's happening for your baby can be really helpful.
0: So is maintaining eye contact with a baby very important? You were saying when the baby's eye contact drifts away, that means they're maybe at that stage becoming more top connecting and making
1: making eye contact is very connecting for a baby so it's very important now, they will try to seek your eye contact often mm-hmm. um most, a lot of babies will and it's a way of you know to regulate so but yes when they're starting to get overstimulated or tired and things like that they will often start to avert their gaze so that's okay. a sign that you can look for with that
0: yeah okay yeah. so that, that's a really good tip so when their eye contact starts to drift away that is uh, um, i guess a um a a, a a trigger would i say maybe yeah. for, to understand yeah. that they are either becoming tired or to to make a change okay that's yeah. great yeah now i guess with so much um sleep information available it can be overwhelming for parents to think um that their baby is not doing what they should be especially when mm-hmm. it comes to sort of how much and how often they should be sleeping um and i guess it's an important reminder that babies can't self soothe as you mentioned at the start of the chat um so that even as adults you know we also, wake up throughout the night. Um, on, on any given night, I think any, any one of us very rarely ever sort of sleeps right through the whole night. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's very unrealistic for us to think that babies will always and consistently sleep soundly right throughout the night, um and that they're not likely to ever stir or, you know, cry or need to be fed or anything else like that, depending on age, of course. Um, mm-hmm. but in general that they that they're, you know, are going to sort of have sound sleep consistently because as adults we don't ourselves. No, so right. it's a little unrealistic to think that they they, they should stick yeah. stick to just I guess the regular patterns um, of sleep. So in your view, you know I mean how how is the best? Uh, what is maybe the best sleep advice you can provide new parents? Maybe that won't um leave them sort of feeling overwhelmed.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think just as you said, it's again sometimes the messages that we're receiving, and there's there's just so much information out there. So I often hear parents say, "My baby's not doing what it's meant to, and it should be sleeping through the night." And you know, it's some of the, it's more, I think, the expectations that that parents have as a result of you know the very the, comp, the many, many messages out there and, and information. So I think it is important to know that, yes, newborns are, um, and as we said, they're not able to self-soothe. So when they wake, um, they they need us to be able to help to, to soothe them. So whether that's they've got a wet nappy or they're hungry or, you know, maybe when all of there might not be any of those things. They might just simply need a cuddle. um, And that's absolutely normal and okay. And I've, I've had some parents, you know, um, express some reluctance around that, you know, should I be doing that? Maybe that's not going to help them with their sleep. And for those very young infants, it's actually, you can't over cuddle your baby or, you know, give it too much love or it's, that's actually just, you know, that's not not possible so I just want to give that message to parents to to again listen to what feels okay for you and obviously as you said that depends at different you know ages and things and if things are becoming problematic and you're feeling you know that you you're struggling with that there are supports out there but for those early days um that was just a helpful way of me for me to think about it. That how often do I wake up during the night? Why would I expect my my baby not to be stirring throughout the night? And I can't expect him to be able to self soothe the way that you know that we know how to calm and regulate ourselves as adults.
0: Yes, that's a really, really valid point. So thank you for sharing that.
1: That's now, okay.
0: Earlier before, you mentioned that singing to your baby whilst still in the womb is um, great for many reasons, um, for, for development and emotionally, um, all kinds of stuff. So I'd just love for you to maybe just expand a little bit more on this if you can for a moment.
1: Yeah, sure. Look, I think it, it benefits parents and babies, to be honest. I think, as I said, it's going to be a lovely um way of, of, of play I think as we mentioned earlier babies are very responsive Responsive to um, our eye contact our facial expressions our prosody of voice as I said that tone of voice so that like high low um, so song captures all of those things and it's very playful it's often using touch if you think about some of the nursery rhymes and things we use with babies so it's a really lovely way of strengthening that connection, attachment relationship. Um, and we know that it helps with lots of developmental things around learning and um cognitive. So as there's well. cognitive yeah. yeah, so there's so Real many pathways. things um that, that can be that are really important in regards to singing. So and it's such an easy thing again, we don't you know, it doesn't cost anything if we don't need any fancy toys for it. It's um it's just something that we can do in relationship with our with our little
0: ones. Yeah. It's the same with playing music also. Yeah, look,
1: I think that's great. Too. Yeah, that's right. I think it's, you know, um, and especially when babies and, and children get used to something, it's the, you know, they love repetition and predictability because they're things that help us to feel safe and secure when we know what's coming up next that's really containing. So things like building that kind of, you know, songs and things into a routine are really helpful, like whether it's a bedtime routine or what have you, that can be a really nice way Um in regards to assisting with creating a nice, soothing, calming bedtime, that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. i've heard many stories about mothers who have played a particular song um whilst the baby was in the womb and then once the baby arrives they've played the same song and there's been oh i i know that song yeah. a bit of a reaction as well which is really beautiful well, they,
1: that's that's right and they're saying you know the research has shown that babies is you know eight months in in the womb around recognizing the mother's voice and things so it's it's really um it's really important to to talk to our talk to our babies and uh, talking about isolation before you know um talking to your baby you know for 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 parents that are you know home just with their baby you know talk to them for your own sanity as well, but for their benefit developmentally as well can be a really nice thing so
0: Yeah, advice, and you know, going back to the start of the interview, you're mentioning um, about breathing. So, I'd love to know why do you think breathing is so important in your role as a parent, also.
1: Breathing is such an important part. And I know it sounds so simple, but it's actually really tricky to do, to do proper deep breathing, Um, the type of deep breathing that helps us to reduce our stress levels and increase our sense of calm. Um, And the reason it's so powerful is because it increases those endorphins um, whilst also reducing those cortisol levels, those stress hormones. So basically... It's something, again, we always have access to it. Um, So I always like to encourage parents that, you know, that can help empower them and know that they have this this tool always readily available to them. But it is something that takes practice like anything else. So practising some nice deep breathing when you are calm is really important. And then when you need to use it in a time when you're feeling more activation, then it's going to be more helpful. So... A time that might be really helpful for parents to use some deep breathing might be when you've tried everything else with your baby, um, when you've changed their nappy and they're fed and they've had a nap and they're still you know, distressed and crying, that can be very anxiety provoking for parents when we can't fix it, when we, that sense of helplessness, you know. So what we can do in that moment is actually focus on our own breathing, because we know the way that the brain works and those mirror neurons, that the more that we can regulate, then our babies and will actually respond to that. So that's something that I often encourage parents to do. We can get very, you know, wanting the need to focus on the baby and fix that situation, but actually sometimes it's about us listening to what's happening inside our bodies and trying to just calm our own nervous systems. And in turn, that will usually have um, a positive impact on our, on our little ones too and we will see a decrease in their activation.
0: Great advice. Is there any particular breathing techniques that that maybe you can recommend parents can look up and study after this, um, this chat today? Look, there's so many
1: out there, but the one that I often use for, especially for little kids that I work with is just like finger breathing, where it's just like breathing in and then pausing and then breathing out. So it's all about the, the nice filling your tummy and then It's about the pause as well. So not rushing it. We don't want that shallow breathing. So just nice, slow, deep breathing with the pause in the middle. So there's so much information out there. And I think what I do encourage people to do is to find, you know, try a couple of things. There's lots of different mindfulness apps and things out there so have a play around and see what works for you because there's actually a lot of um, resources around that but essentially it's around just the more that we can slow the breath and do some nice deep breathing the more we're going to be able to calm our our nervous systems um the key part
0: and making it a habit i think as well i was just reading before that i think it takes 66 days to Mm -hmm. form a habit so if you can just make time every day even if it is just five minutes which as uh, as many exactly. people say, if you don't have five minutes, we don't have much, you know, in the sense exactly. you got to find at least that five to ten minutes for yourself every day and put yourself first right. as a priority. And as
1: we said, exactly, and as we said, it's something that requires practice. It's like going to the gym and getting fit, and you know, so it's, it's not something to practice when you are feeling really activated and it's not going because you know, it's a lot harder to do that then. So I really encourage people, as you say, to do that when you have a moment of calm um, and then you feel more empowered to be able to utilise that in times of distress.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, earlier on, we were speaking about the fact that it takes a whole community to raise um, a child. Now, in your view, what role do you think community plays in in raising a child? And how do you think people um, in general um, can access community support, especially during this COVID era that we're sort of living through at the moment?
1: Yeah. Look, I think The sense of community can bring so much to a child's life. It can help to create that sense of belonging. It can build that sense of identity like we spoke about earlier. It can help give those really important messages about children feeling worthy and loved and increase their self-confidence. So, um, all of those things are really important for, for child development um, because the more people that are giving those messages the more the child is going to to you know to feel that sense um, and confidence so at the moment I think that is a really you know it's really important for people to reach out to, to supports if they if they're wanting and needing that um, whether that be a maternal child health nurse or community health centers Um there's, you know, lots of different um, telephone counselling, you know, crisis numbers and things available to people that are 24 hours. Um, and so, the
0: foundation, yeah,
1: all of those. Oh, I think, uh, yeah. So, I just really encourage people to to make sure that they're utilising. There are those supports there. Um, this can be a really isolating time when becoming a new parent is meant to be all about celebrating and you know having all those visitors and all those rituals around that and you know i'm very conscious that that for new parents there there's a grief and loss i think around around not being able to have those things so it's i just think I'd like to validate that that's a really normal response. Um, and there's a term, sort of disenfranchised grief, which kind of I think covers that in regards to when we don't have the rituals and the connections and relationships to help us through that, which right now, um, you know, that's something that we're a lot of us are, uh, are feeling. So for new parents, I think it's really important to know that there are supports there. You're not alone in that. Um and programs. And to use them. They're, they're, yeah, that's
0: right. They're yeah. available and to be used in, in, in most cases they're all free as well. So exactly. Yeah. 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 And Definitely. there's no shame as as you said at the start as no. well. Take off all the pressures that we put onto ourselves about perfect parenting. There is no perfect parent. No. It's just no, be there the, definitely be, the, be the best that you can and there's no shame yeah. and a lot of those those helpline numbers are anonymous also so no one has to yes no right. exactly
1: just,
0: it's about um, as i always say working smarter not harder as well yeah. so <laughs> that's a good point definitely <laughs> now we've covered up yeah. a lot of um, information today if you were to summarize your key messages for anyone watching and or listening what would they be
1: Look, I think everything we've spoken about today is around, especially given the current climate <laughs> that we're that we're in, I would just encourage people to to be gentle and kind on to themselves at the moment and know that you are everything that your baby needs. So just being there and being curious about that and you know, having the time to get to know your baby is the most important thing you can do. That's that's it. It's not all the other um, messages that I think we get within society. Um, and, and to know, just to keep looking after your own self-care too, to prioritise you in that as well. Um, so that would be my key message, to know that, Yeah, I think right now um, I've been saying to all the families that I'm working with, this is not the time for us to try to be our best selves. This is about breathing and surviving and knowing that, you know, There is a lot of, there's a lot to be said about that whole theory around that sort of good enough, you know, and it's there's a lot of research around attunement needs to be at, you know, a certain percentage. It's not at a hundred percent. That's not what our children need. And actually things like, you know, ruptures and things are actually really important in relationships. It's how we repair that that's the important part so children know that we make mistakes, but you know what? After those things happen, we are we are there for them, and we it doesn't change how we feel about them. And so, you know, as you said, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. It's um, I just encourage people to be authentic and to to just be able to be as present as possible, and know that right now that's not easy,
0: and that's okay. Absolutely. I'll show you shared some wonderful advice today. If parents have got any questions um, and would like to reach out with you um, after this uh, interview today, whereabouts can they find you? They can find me and also
1: the my um, the co-founder, um, Anna Fasolo, at thepeninsularnest.com.au. That's our group program for mums and bubs on the Mornington Peninsula. Um, so we've got an um, Instagram and Facebook page as well. So please reach out with any questions or if you'd like to find out a bit more about what we do, that would be great.
0: That's wonderful. We'll have all of those links in the show notes as well as the link through to your article, which covers off in a lot more detail everything that we've spoken about today. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Take care, stay safe, and um, hope to have another chat in the not-too-distant future. Take care.
1: Thank you, Rachel. Thanks so much. Thanks oh, for having you're me. You're welcome.
0: Okay, bye. Thanks. Bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone, and you've been listening to Kittypedia the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kiddypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.